you're listening to the Mito podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Megan. And today we ha- our guest is go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi guys, I'm Leah. I'm 23 years old and I live in Southern California. Where and where, I have and sorry. I have mitochondrial disease. So sorry to interrupt you, but where where in Southern California do you live? Like what um um near like uh, like Newport, Huntington Beach kind of area. So oh. Orange County. Okay, awesome. Uh, I didn't realize you were so close to us. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we're really excited to have you talk with us, Leah. Um, I saw you on Instagram and I immediately um, wanted to know your story. So um, what kind of mitochondrial disease do you have? I have mitochondrial myopathy. And when I was diagnosed, it was explained to me that I had um, deficiencies with complex one and three. So in the Krebs cycle, um, out of the five or four stages of the Krebs cycle, two of mine don't work all the way. Okay. You know, you just gave me an idea that one day we're going to have to do a podcast just on that because when uh, Angie was diagnosed, just trying to figure out what that meant was right. Um, And every, every disease is every mitochondrial disease is very different, especially with those, those five stages. Um, So it's a really good idea to to bring up at another time. So thank you. Um, Yeah. So how how were you diagnosed? I was diagnosed at the age of nine from a muscle biopsy. Um, And I had gone through a lot of tests because uh, they didn't know quite what was wrong. They had kind of an idea, but they wanted to rule out everything that they could. Um, So the muscle biopsy was my last rigorous testing. Um, And they took two pieces of muscle from my right thigh. Um, Because sometimes when they take just one Um, something badly can happen um, if they're like transferring it from lab to lab. So they took two samples and um, it took about three months to get the results back. And I came back with mitochondrial myopathy complex one and three. You know, we hear that a lot. Um, I think actually maybe two of the three people that we've talked to that have had a muscle biopsy, their samples were lost. Right. The lab. So it was very smart for them to do two at the same time. That's a really good recommendation for families that are just starting out. Um, well, and that's such a invasive diagnostic test that why would you want to go through that again? Exactly. Yeah. And I was going to ask, because I know a lot of people on the different um, social media groups, they're always asking, you know, how did your child or how did you respond to the muscle biopsy so do you remember having that procedure or how how I do actually they so it was 2007 I believe and they actually wanted to do it on my birthday which is um in May and my mom said absolutely not she's like (laughs) nine years old yeah that's not a birthday present (laughs) no no not at all So I do remember going in the day of my surgery and, um, you know, my parents being with me and hanging out with me and just making sure everything was calm, that I was good. And I had my 
a little uh, stuffed animal bear that I always hung on to at doctor's appointments. Um, and I remember them rolling me back. Um, and even I'm, I'm a notoriously like bad sleeper. So they put the mask on me and they said, uh, count back from a hundred and I was already at 93. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm still awake. <laughs> What's going on here? And then, you know, I dropped off, but, um, the healing process was, um, fine. It was tough. I mean, I don't think I walked for like a week, um, but it wasn't anything that my family thought we couldn't handle um, after all that I'd gone through so far. Um, so yeah, that's that's my memory of it. I I don't, I mean, yeah, I don't have a huge memory about it. My parents told me funny things about me waking up and being very talkative and asking the doctor so many questions about all the machines and everything and that I actually did get up and was able to dress myself before, you know, uh, going home and getting in the car, um, which I don't remember at all. <laughs> but yeah, that, that was that day. And um, I'd say on a scale of one to 10, I'd, I'd say it was a good seven and a half on terms of like it being bad um yeah yeah typical yeah. biopsy what led up to the biopsy like what were you experiencing or what did your family see that was happening that, that made them want to have this test so I didn't start having like real lasting symptoms until I was about seven but up until that point I had had typical like signs of being autistic. Um, I wasn't eating at 10 months old. I was crying nonstop and my parents didn't know why I didn't like being touched. Um, so they took me to UCLA to have uh, therapy done and to have testing done. And they diagnosed me with autism, which is pretty typical for a mito patient. And so they started me on early intervention. So, you know, getting me to eat um, other things besides orange food <laughs> and um, learning sign language because I thought um, there was a possibility I would never learn to talk. Um, and just not hitting milestones, like not walking, not really talking. Um, not learning how to read until I was like six, uh, not being able to keep up with math, even in first grade. Um, so, and then when I was about six, I started really getting sick. I would be sick all the time. Um, I came down with pertussis, um, and that really started to get the ball rolling because just, you know, getting sick, but then, you know, the healing time of even having a cold would be progressively longer. So it'd be like 10 days that I would be out of school with a cold. Mm -hmm. And so my mom, I was coming home from school and my mom noticed that my gait was off 
And I remember her kept, she kept asking me, is everything okay? What's going on with your legs? And I'm like, nothing's wrong. I feel fine. And so after that, I remember eventually needing a walker that I would bring to school with me. Um, And my teachers and substitutes would be like, why does she all of a sudden have a walker? Um, And then that snowballed into having a wheelchair in third grade and then having my hours at school modified because of uh, the brain fog and my energy levels. I just could not keep up with a seven hour school day. And with all that mixed in there, also the school that I was at began thinking that uh, I was a Munchausen's uh, syndrome patient and that my mom was uh, abusing me and causing me to be ill. And so as my mom is trying to figure out a diagnosis for me and how to get me well and what to do, um, she was also dealing with having to go to court for me and having to protect me from child protection services. So in that way, I would say my, um, my start of having Mido was rough because of all those people that thought that something else was wrong, that something in my home life was wrong. And it wasn't, I mean, I, I had, I mean, my mom and dad went to every doctor's appointment with me, you know, they were there scourging uh, for doctors every day, trying to find one that could diagnose me and that would take my case and not come back and tell my parents, look, she's just doing this for attention. She's fine. Oh, wow. That had to be extremely hard. And we've heard, especially now, there's been a couple pretty famous cases of that with children who've had mitochondrial disease and their parents have had to go through, like you said, court cases and different things and had their children taken away when, you know, no one, I shouldn't say no one, but so many doctors in so many different areas have no idea about this disease. And so they're just not being diagnosed. And instead they're thinking that the parents are, like you said, abusing, or that's just, gosh, that's, that's horrible. I'm sorry that your family had to go through that. Um, the cost of that too. I mean, Mido's already expensive and now your family's had, well then, but your family's fighting in court and having to pay all these legal fees just to be able to keep you that I can't even, yeah. can't even imagine what that would be like. I just, you're already so stressed out and to add that layer to it is that's just cruel. That's really sad. And I'm sorry that that happened for you guys. Yeah, and we are too. But, um, you know, I think when things like that happen, you, um, for better or worse, you get to see who really stands by you in the end. And we got to figure out who our true friends were. And when we got out of this, that situation, we were just so thankful to, you know, really have people around us that cared. And, um, I think it, as hard as it was to go through, going through that time just makes me so thankful for all that I have now. 
and the fact that I still am with my parents and the fact that I have better friends around me and I, I went to a better school and I actually had a great experience there. So I think, you know, whenever you're, I like, I know a lot of chronically ill people that, you know, something traumatic has happened during their journey and, you know, you hope that it just makes you stronger and it makes you more of a warrior. And, um, you know, I think that time really taught us a lot. So I, not to say that I'm thankful for it, but, um, I think it, I think it made us closer as a family. Yeah. Gosh, and it just helps you too to just be an advocate for those things that you've already experienced. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. So um, going back to your story just a little bit, uh, who, so you, you had to have met at least one doctor that thought, put everything together, like kind of put those puzzle pieces together and and it was probably even worse at the time because your parents didn't have an answer, so they couldn't really defend themselves. Um, yeah. I'm pulling a Megan and I'm pulling my laptops closer. Sorry. Um, uh, so it's, uh, so who was that doctor? How did that initiate? Had you already seen like 10 doctors or? Um, yeah, I had, I had seen a lot for all the way from primary care to specialists that uh, still would turn me away. But then my mom somehow got a reference to a neurologist that took me in and, you know, evaluated me, evaluated how I ran and how exhausted I was after, after I ran just down the hall. Um, and she gave us a referral to a guy called Dr. Gargas at uh, UCI uh, Medical Center. And um, so we get this call from this man and he said, you know, I'm still in the lab, but I'd really like to hear from you and I'd really like to evaluate Leah. So, and he's super hard to get into. I mean, there's a wait list to get in to see him. And so we finally have our appointment and um, he ran a bunch of blood tests, you know, and back then Mito couldn't be detected from a blood test. It could only be from the biopsy. Um, I had a skin punch because he thought, oh, maybe it's environmental because um, Mito can also be caused by um, environmental causes. Um, so, you know, he, he did everything he possibly could. He spent time with us. Um, and it's funny because a lot of the nurses, you know, we would come out saying, oh my gosh, he's such a genius. And then we'd hear the nurses say, yeah, but he can't tie his shoelaces. <laughs> so like most doctors, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's not what you need him for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, he was the kind of doctor that would, you know, spend time actually in the lab looking at the DNA and, you know, would travel around the world to find other cases like mine. 
Um, so he was diligent. He was willing to go above and beyond to try and help me, which is what you'd expect of every doctor, but not every doctor provides that. Um, so yeah, he was like our little godsend. That's awesome. Yeah. You guys were connected and that it brought some answers, um, to you and your family. Yeah. So what does like daily, I know it's a little strange because of COVID, but yeah. <laughs> what is your daily life like now? Um, so for a while now I've plateaued. Um, so the last three years I have been, so I've finished with school and the last three years I've been writing for a medical journal, a website called, um, muscular dystrophy news because um, mitochondrial myopathy is considered a neuromuscular disease and it's sort of under the umbrella of muscular dystrophy. So I have a column for them that's called You, Me, and MD. And then I also moderate their forum. Um, So that takes up my time. And... um, Daily with Mido, let's see. Um, I take a nap every single day because there's no way I can get through the day without it. Um, I, in the morning time is usually when I do things like maybe get out of the house or, you know, social distance uh, visit with a friend uh, because that's when I usually have more energy. And then at night is mostly spent, you know, with my parents in front of the television, just hanging out, being with my dog. Um, So it doesn't, I mean, I certainly know people who have Mito where it impacts them more. And I've, uh, I'm very thankful to have plateaued a little bit because when I was in middle school, uh, my health really declined. And there was a time where we thought, okay, you know, maybe she won't continue much longer. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've, I still have relapses after, you know, I do too much, um, which means that I'm resting for the next like four days, like not talking much, mostly watching TV, um, eating foods that digest well. Um, but yeah, and then I have my mom who has Mito too, so we can kind of, you know, be couch potatoes together. <laughs> yeah. Does she have so, a kind of Mito? She has a clinical diagnosis. Um, she's not at a point in her life where she wants the biopsy, especially because she's my main caregiver. Um, but she definitely has similar symptoms. Like she'll even come to me and be like, oh, is this what you feel like when you do this or that? And I'm like, yep, that's exactly it. And she goes, wow, I understand you on such a deeper level now. (laughs) Like, you know, before she, you know, she was my rock, you know, she tried to understand as much as she could, but there's, there's more of a bond now. There's more of an understanding. Um, which is kind of cool, you know, of course, I, I would never wish this upon her, 
Um, but it is kind of nice for us to have a buddy and to kind of take care of each other and to know what to expect from each other. Yeah. So were her symptoms onset, obviously later in life, not early on like yours? Yeah. So she began having symptoms at 58. So, um, I'd say like six, seven years ago and, um, it was actually quite, um, out of the blue. She was like painting a door in our house and just felt really weak and couldn't do it anymore. And from then on, she just felt a gradual, you know, onset of Mido with uh, weakening. Um, you know, she started to have heart problems and had to go on heart meds. And she even, she and I see the same cardiologist. Um, and she got a scooter a couple of years ago to get her around because she noticed that I was more mobile than she was. And, you know, there's a problem when that happens. <laughs> so, um, and she uses her crutch when she doesn't feel she needs the scooter just to give her some balance and something to lean on and something to put her weight on. Um, so when we go to our Mito doctor, we're like the package deal, you know, we're this little train of wheelchairs heading in and, you know, they don't see many people that where the parent has symptoms and the child does as well. So yeah, we're, we're the, uh, we're the odd ones out. <laughs> yeah, I would say definitely just in our circle of Mito moms. And um, we only know one mom that actually, for sure, has the same Mito as her children, but she's not even affected at this point. So it is, yeah, we haven't spoken to anyone um, that also has a parent that is definitely experiencing symptoms as well. So, um, but it sounds like, you know, we all say the Mito journey is, it's for everyone, it's so different, but it's so nice when it sounds like you have such amazing supportive parents and, you know, that is, that is so important. And so, um, you know, kudos to your parents for really being there for you and continuing to help take care. And, you know, I, I will always be there for my son, but it's, you know, it's always nice to hear that there are other parents out there too. that are super supportive. And so, yeah. 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 And, you know, I know uh, my, my parents, especially my mom would have loved to have something like this to listen to back when I started to get diagnosed. Um, and there have been times where I just don't know how she handles it, you know, especially me, you know, being a baby and not being able to tell her how I felt or what I needed mm -hmm. and just crying all the time. You know, I really commend her for that and for not, you know, just kind of giving up on me like she could have totally done. And, you know, it's, it's, I think it's, <laughs> It's usually more stressful on the patient, on the parent than it is the, the actual child or the patient. Um, so yeah, I'm very thankful for the support system that I have. I wouldn't be who I am and where I am today without it. Do either of you take a Mito cocktail? You know, I tried the first few years after getting diagnosed and I was on L-carnitine and CoQ10 
And I just didn't see any difference to continue it. Um, and I know that is uh, the same for other other people with Mido. Um, so right now, what I'm just taking is vitamin D3 and vitamin C. Um, and yeah, I mean, it just didn't, we didn't have enough of a reason to continue it. Um, so yeah. You know, it, you don't have to, um, like give a reason or anything like that. Cause the Mito cocktail, it's like a, it's a 50, 50. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And that's, that's just how it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think my daughter is the only one that I've, out of everyone that I talked to, she's the only one that had a difference. Um, mm-hmm. even right. Uh, Megan, even on this podcast, everyone that we've taught, they take it because yeah. I mean, like my son, he takes it, but you know, he's been taking it since he was two. Do we know necessarily yeah. if it's helping or it's not? I mean, we don't want to stop it. <laughs> we don't want to see yeah. what would happen, but there's, um, thankfully he's been pretty stable most of his life, but, um, yeah, I think most of the children that we know that take it kind of like my son, we're not hundred percent sure. I think, um, possibly one of the other moms, um, they took them off the L-carnitine and then they put them back on when they were having, she has two daughters having a little bit of energy troubles and they increased. Um, but yeah, in general, you know, I think the only thing that they even have scientific results or <clears throat> on are, is the CoQ10. Um, otherwise right. Everything else is, you know, they're hoping, they're hoping that it helps. Um, but you can also measure L-carnitine deficiency. So that's one of the ones that they can look and see um, if people are actually deficient or not. So it's a 50-50. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, everybody's different. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Well, and one thing that I find helps on a daily basis is Gatorade, drinking constant Gatorade because the electrolytes, you know, I can just, when I drink it, I can like feel it reach my cells and give me a bit of a boost and, you know, I don't know if it's because of the Mito, but I feel like I get dehydrated really fast and the Gatorade just replenishes it um, so easily. Um, and even my mom, you know, she'll be having a bad day and she'll drink some Gatorade and feel a whole lot better and have a better um, recovery from a relapse. Yeah. So that, that has worked well for us. Yeah, hydration is huge with Mito, definitely. Yeah, with um, multiple families, not necessarily Gatorade, but a electrolyte enhancer type of Mm -hmm. drink. One at Costco, Liquid IV, I think it's called. Oh, uh huh. Take that, and it's easy because it's a small packet of powder, and you can just put it in your purse, and you don't have to carry a giant Gatorade, but you can have it. It's convenient. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, no, that that's good. I, and it is important. Like you, both of you just said, um, the hydration is a big thing with Mito and you can get dehydrated super quick. Um, people don't, I mean, even before Mito, like, yeah, if you don't drink enough water, of course you're going to get dehydrated, but you don't know what, to, what level that is until- yeah have Mito or you're living with someone with Mito and then that it could just be 
the smallest thing in a day that could change like the weather or you didn't sleep right. or those little small factors have a big thing to do with your hydration. Sorry to everybody that's watching or listening. <laughs> Got a puppy in the background. <laughs> oh, little Frank. <laughs> My shoe, that's what he's doing. Um, well, is there anything else that you wanted to share or anything you wanted to tell any listeners, uh, any advice that you want to give or uh, words of wisdom? Um, just to be kind to yourself and whatever that means to you, whether that is listening to your body, um, you know, just kind of. You know, one thing that I've always struggled with is listening to your body because I'm just kind of one of those people that needs to be always doing something. And obviously my body can't keep up with that. Um, But yeah, learning to be mindful of what you're feeling and when and what you can do about it. You know, you might not be able to do things the same way that other people can but there are alternatives and you can be happy and you can do things and you can have adventures. You just need to find a way that works for you and other people will follow. You know, you don't have to compromise your health for other people all the time. And um, let's see what else, Uh, just kind of, accepting your journey, not comparing it to others, because everyone with Mido is different. Everyone with Mido experiences something different. Um, And just because you're not experiencing that same thing doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. And even if doctors tell you, even if your friends and family tell you that something's wrong with you, there isn't. You need to believe in yourself and you need to you know, remember that um, you will f- you will find answers. Uh, science is progressing all the time, and um, and also build a good support system if you can. You know, if you don't have uh, friends that you can talk to or family members, um, reach out. You know, there are mito support groups out there. There are chronic illness support groups out there. Um, you know, just find people that you can trust that you know that will have your back because that will really help you along. It will really help you mentally, emotionally, and you'll find that it'll help you physically too. So, you know, just go with the flow when it comes with Mido. Everything that will come will be unexpected and try not to fight against it. Just try to go with the flow and believe in yourself and be kind to yourself. That's awesome. That's a great message. Yes, you have a very positive outlook and that's, that's just amazing when you're, you struggle with obviously a disease that is very serious and it's just really refreshing to hear your positive outlook on it and 
um, your words of wisdom to others, especially um, people your age that might be experiencing this. Um, so we really appreciate you actually speaking with us today. And I've enjoyed listening to your story and um, thank you so much for being on with us. Yeah, it's been wonderful. It was such an honor to be on here and I'm so glad that people like you are out there really giving people a voice, letting people be heard. And, you know, it's, it's big for people with Mido and there needs to be more awareness. Well, thank you again. We appreciate it. Um, if you're listening or even if you're watching, um, this is the Mido podcast. Uh, if you would like to contact us, you can um, email us at mitopodcast at gmail. You can find us on Instagram and also on Facebook with the same name, the Mito Podcast. And also if you have any questions or if you have any suggestions or just want to be on the podcast, let us know and we're happy to have you. So thank you again for coming and thank you everyone for listening and watching today.